you're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Welcome back to Podiatry Marketing. I'm your host, Jim McDonald. With me as always is Tyson Franklin. Tyson, what's happening today there in Australia? Oh, you know, it's always the same over here. Beautiful one day, perfect the next. That's what they tell us. That used to be, that was our advertising campaign in Queensland. Perfect one day, a oh, beautiful one day, perfect the next. That was our campaign. No, it's all good over here, Jim. Keeping busy as usual, and I hope you're doing the same. Yeah, yeah, things are good. Uh, enjoying the client work, enjoying working with some clinics here, and uh, excited to jump into this topic today. Uh, what are we going to be talking today on the on the podcast? Today's topic is one of my favorite things, and it's how to market your orthotics. And this is this is not about selling more orthotics to patients. It's about marketing your orthotics. And the reason I bring it up is because if every podiatrist makes orthotics, then why should patients or referrers send people to you? What makes your orthotics special? And I think most podiatrists can't answer that. They have no idea. I think that that's a great point. I think, you know, it kind of comes back to podiatrist is that foot and ankle specialist, right? And we all, we were supposed to take everything and we're supposed to do it all. And to set yourself apart or to differentiate yourself is something that either we're not taught at school or we don't really understand the value of that differentiation. I think we're going to touch, you know, touching on this topic today is great because we can kind of jump into some of those nuances, especially in the area of orthotics. Yeah, well, it's, it's, if people really think about it is, what makes your orthotic different? And I think if you can't answer that, then you've you've got problems. And I know when I first graduated, I just, we're all podiatrists, we're all trained the same way, we all make the same orthotics. So therefore, I didn't think there was any difference between us. But as time went on, all of a sudden I realized, no, what I make and what you make and what the podiatrist down the road makes is completely different. On the surface, it might look very similar, but there's so many variations on what you can actually do. And you've got to give it thought. <laughs> yeah, the thought part is very important. Obviously, sometimes the type of orthotics you make or the style can kind of mimic the type of practice you have as well, whether it be, you know, you're more into the sports medicine side of things, yeah. or you're more into accommodative type of orthotics. But uh, the type of orthotics you make, like you said, it can set you apart and, you know, kind of be a signature of your practice or the way that you practice podiatry. Well, a simple thing could be what material do you use for your orthotics? Do you use a, a polypropylene, a harder, a carbon type material? And like you said, do you tend to go more towards the sports orthotics? Is that what your whole clinic is based around? Or are you going more into the yeah, the varying densities of EVA? Do you do three-quarter length? Do you do full length? Because I know when I first started, everything I did was polypropylene. Well, actually, there was a material called Roadur. I don't know if you remember Roadur, Jim. No. I don't. Bit, bit before your time. Great material, except it killed the environment. Still, it was a good material. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was one of my favorite materials to work with. And I used to make things out of roadur with an acrylic post, and I would buff these things down to that you couldn't even tell with the acrylic join the roadur. It was just, they were so nice, I didn't want to give them patience sometimes. They just looked too good. <laughs> so that's how I used to do it. And then I moved from that material into polypropylenes, different, and there was another one, orthalin and suborthalin. And but then as the years went on, I slowly moved to EVA and different densities at EVA. Some podiatrists use both, but I think it's really important to realize well, what materials do you use? What is everybody else in your area using? And uh, and are you all using the same material? If you're not, one there, there's something that sets you apart straight away. 
I think that's a great point. I think, you know, podiatrists coming out of school or out of residency, you know, I think we, we get hard pretty with the biomechanics of things and that, you know, rigid materials are have to be used for all of these different types of, you know, deformities or types of correction. But at the same time, you have to understand who your patient is, what their activity is. You mm -hmm. have to understand kind of what they're willing to tolerate because I think, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but if you become like a polypropylene or like a hard orthotic maxi, no matter what the patient is or how old they are, what their activity is, <laughs> they're not always going to you know adjust well to that type of device. Um, so, getting a read on the patient, communicating with them, you know, during that orthotic process, I think is almost a huge part of the marketing of that orthotic device as well. Because if they if they're sold something or they're not explained in a you know uh, what type of orthotic they're getting, it can set them, you know, down the path of a bad experience with an orthotic. Yeah, but what I used to explain to patients is just because an orthotic might be made out of a hard material doesn't mean it's going to be uncomfortable. I said, you can have something that's a soft material and can still be uncomfortable. And I used to show patients, I would grab an orthotic that was really, really soft. And what I'd do, I'd turn it upside down, I'd put it in the sugar, here, stand on that for me. And they'd stand and go, oh, that's, that just hurts. And I'd go, but it's a soft material. Okay, so it's not the material, it's it's the design that goes in behind material. Whether you're using a polypropylene which is firmer or a soft material, if, if you haven't made if the design's no good, it's going to be uncomfortable regardless. So I think the material you choose, what's everybody else using? What are you using? That is something that you can market to the community that that sets your orthotics apart from everybody else. The second thing might be what lab do you use? So if you're using uh, an external lab if you're not making them yourselves are you the only person in your area that's using a particular lab so is that something that can that you can use in your marketing that sets you as, apart from everybody else as well no that totally makes sense i think there's different uh, levels of quality and different types of materials that can be used depending on what type of lab you're you know, associated with um it's been a little while since i've been since i've made an orthotic yeah. so i don't really uh you know I know we kind of use one the entire time, but I think that is definitely something that you can use to differentiate yourself for sure. Yeah, and another thing that you could ask yourself is, do you do you have a faster turnaround time than everybody else in your area? So there's a lot of podiatrists I talk to who still make their patients wait two weeks before they get their orthotics. And I'm like, if I'm in pain and I know that I need orthotics, I don't want to wait two weeks. I want them now. I want them tomorrow. I want them as soon, as fast as you can get them to me. Are you prepared to put things in place to get them to your patients as quick as possible? And if you can, and you're prepared to do that, and all the podiatrists in your area won't do that, straight away, that is something that sets you apart from everybody else. And it's something you should be marketing to your patient. In my clinic, yes, we end up setting up our own milling machine on site. We had a 24-hour guaranteed turnaround. You saw me today, I will guarantee they'll be ready for you tomorrow. However, if you want them the same day, if you have an appointment before 11 o'clock, I will have them for you that afternoon. Now, for patients who used to travel two, three, 400 kilometers to come and see us, 150, 250 miles, they loved that same-day service. They could come and see us, see us in the morning, go and have lunch somewhere, get them fitted, jump in the car, and basically drive away. That was something that we really used to market. Now, not every person can have a milling machine on site, but can you negotiate a deal with the lab you're currently using and say, hey, I do 30, 40, 50, 100 pairs per month with your business. I want you to provide them to me in two days. If they go, oh, we can't do that, they go, okay, well, I may need to find somebody else who can. I'll guarantee if you're 
a good customer, they will give you a better service and won't charge you any more for doing it. You just got to ask. No, that, that's that's huge. And I think this you kind of, you know, having the milling machine, but I think the, the technology pieces um, kind of ties into the lab or the technology and the turnaround as well these days because, you know, obviously 3D printing has kind of taken off. Oh, so yeah. With it, whether it's with a, a scanner or like a 3D printer that's now available, I've seen some different companies, at least in the states, that are have these kind of like on-site 3D printing machines. I think you've even you might have even um, uh, had a guy on your uh, Podiatry Legends podcast. That I has, did uh, some 3D printing capabilities. Um. <laughs> 3D printing, well, orthotics, butt plugs, and something else. I'm not going to get the whole thing, but he does. He has a big 3D printer uh, set up with his business, but. It, what what I find funny is I graduated in 1988. So in 1988, we used to do a plaster cast of the person's foot. We used to wait. We had to wait till that plaster cast dried for 24 hours. We'd box it up and we'd post it to a lab. And it took about two weeks before the orthotics were ready to fit. That was over 30 years ago. That was 34 years ago. If you're still doing it that way, plaster cast and waiting two weeks, I, I think you're doing a disservice to your patients. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a plaster cast. I still think a plaster cast are great. But you know that you can get them to the lab within 24 hours. Either to the lab or upload that file to your 3D printer. And like you said, maybe you have it even same day. So I think you know that that's a huge differentiator. You know The fact that you are investing into technology is a huge way to differentiate yourself from a competitor or other clinics. Um, and it makes you look like you're you know, thinking about your patients and being kind of future forward in ways that maybe other clinics aren't currently doing. Yeah, so another thing might be when, when it comes to marketing your orthotics, are you the cheapest podiatrist when it comes to making orthotics? Now, I'm not saying that, I, I don't always say that you should market yourself as, hey, we're the cheapest podiatrist in town. But if you know that you make your orthotics at a certain price and it is cheaper than what everybody else is doing, if you, if you are, then use that in your marketing. Don't, don't be the cheapest and then not actually tell people that you're the cheapest because it's not doing you any favors to be the cheapest. So you may as well use that to your to your favor and therefore you might get, okay, you're still the cheapest, but if you're turning over a lot more, in the end, you're still going to be making more money. And there's a lot of businesses that customers are, you know, over here in, in Australia, you know, discount pharmacy. There's discount this and that. They are thriving businesses because they've known how to market their, their differentiation of being cheaper than what everybody else is doing. For sure, there's no shame in uh, you know basically providing that value and kind of making it known. Because if it's only known to you, then really you're you're you're, you're kind of you're, you're losing the opportunity there. Yeah, like. because they they will tell you, oh, I'm, I don't charge like everybody else does, and they're proud of not charging that. Well, that's great. Then use that in your marketing. Let people know, hey, we make the cheapest the cheapest orthotics in town. There's nothing wrong with saying that if that's what you do and you're providing a good orthotic. But if you make cheap shit orthotics, then don't put that in your market. Hey, we make the cheapest and the shittiest orthotics in in town. That's not what you want to do. The next thing is like you said before, if, if you specialize in certain things, whether it's sports, it could be kids orthotics. If you really have an interest in the area, I definitely think, and you brought that before, Jimmy, about sports, it's think about interests you have and you know, do you make the orthotic for the triathlete i used to make a lot of orthotics for uh, cycling shoes and the advantage i had is i had patients that were in the tour de france so that gave me a lot of street cred 
when it came to some of what I could actually make for cycling shoes and they were different to everything else. No, I mean, that's huge. And there's so many different kinds of co-marketing opportunities, like you said, with the, whether it be with the cyclists or in the Tour de France or local running shoe store or a marathon. Um, there's lots of different ways to get your name uh, out there that you are the sports medicine orthotic maker. So I think there's just there's a limitless amount of marketing opportunities when you're when you're when you kind of find that niche within the profession to kind of go after or that's kids or wound care or sports, you know, there, there's some type of orthotic to match that kind of patient persona. Yeah. And it's, it sort of matches with what you're interested in. And, and I always have this, I saw this saying years ago, I think it was like 1990 is you can't eat status. So you might think, oh, but I'm more qualified than everybody else in town, or I have more degrees. Or do they realize I used to be a lecturer at a university? Patients don't care about your qualifications. They just want a good product. So if you're trying to rely on your status of who you are and what you've done in the profession, and you know what, people will just learn about you and, and want to come to you and get orthotics. No, you need to tell them what makes your orthotics better or different, or do you provide a better service, a cheaper service? And you need to get this into your marketing and you need to get it out there. If, if you want people to come in and, and be talking about your orthotics. No, I think you said it perfectly there. You have to have provide that visibility to community about, you know, almost kind of reflecting the type of patients you want to have come into your practice in your marketing or you're saying it out there. So they see that you, you treated cyclists or you treated runners or you treated triathletes and then they, they identify and they see themselves in those advertisements as being that weekend warrior or triathlete or something. And then you are become that kind of go-to expert. I think that's a perfect tie-in and like you said, you can't just like, well, I've been to 300 sports medicine conferences. Like patients don't care about that. No. Like they don't uh, like who cares? Like, but if you're showing uh, face at these events or in your marketing that you are that person and then you treat them well and you, show, you differentiate yourself during those patient visits, that's where you make the inroads. Yeah, well, there's with our orthotics, yeah, going back years and years ago, we ended up because all podiatrists were making orthotics and I was at a barbecue once. I was at this barbecue and said something to somebody and they said, oh, yeah, I've had orthotics. I've had those things before. And I went, oh, did I make them for you? And they went, no, no, I saw another podiatrist. But they're all the same. Orthotics are all the same. And I got the shits. And I went, I'm sick of everyone thinking we all make the same thing. So I decided to give our orthotics a name. And I called them ProArch Foot Supports because our business was ProArch Podiatry. Actually, it wasn't at the time. It was North Queensland Podiatry. And then I changed the name to ProArch Podiatry the business so we call them pro arch foot supports we'd never refer to it orthotics in our clinic as orthotics they were always pro arch foot supports we're talking to doctors physios we make pro arch foot supports talking to patients oh no we don't make orthotics we make pro arch foot supports and eventually we're having people ring up say oh I want to find out more about those pro arch foot supports so the name started to actually get around so i don't think there's anything wrong with giving your orthotics a name that is something you might be making the same orthotic from the same lab that everybody else does. But if you can give your, so it could be yeah, Jim's sports orthotics could be what they are. We actually got a business here in Australia, Jim's mowing. There's a guy, Jim Penman, I think <laughs> his name is. So massive business. I mean, hundred million dollar business, Jim's mowing. Then Jim got into Jim's fencing, Jim's painting, Jim's electrical. So I'll tell you right now, if all of a sudden, Jim's mowing guy got hold of Jim's orthotics. It could be big. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I think that's a pretty pretty clever way of going about doing it because not only does it allow you to differentiate yourself with the name and just have you know promote that name, but I think also when people come back to you, like you said, saying the name of your product to you, yeah, it's a great it's a great way of measuring the effectiveness of your advertising, of your website, of the other places, you know, of those one on one interactions you had with someone to talk about pro arch, you know, pro uh, pro arch foot supports, right? So like we had pro arch foot supports socks hats t-shirts and we you'd be in a bit you see someone wearing a pro arch foot support hat and we're just going yeah. people knew the name pro arch foot supports it was um i've still got the trademark for it <laughs> and i think it's it, it those keywords are much much cheaper in google ads as well as composed to uh you know trying to advertise on things like orthotics i think that's uh it's a, it's a win in multiple ways but i think every business can do it and it's it's creating it a name for your product if you can and then tying a story to it or, or how it came about but then it's just it's making a part of your business so like i said if you had jim's sports orthotics or jim's triath yeah triathlete orthotics it's if you can give it a name and you might you know call it you know, the trojan the trojan orthotic yeah it's so many hidden features in there you don't know until you start wearing them that all of a sudden, that name could become popular within a certain uh, sporting group. No, for sure. I think it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting, like you said, tying that narrative or a patient persona to a specific device can definitely uh, be something people definitely should consider. So I think if you're making orthotics, and I assume most podiatrists are, sit down and really think about the product you've got. How are you marketing it to the community, to your to your patients, even internally with your existing patients? Do you realize that not every patient knows what you do? So you might have hundreds and hundreds of routine care patients that are also going to other podiatrists to get their orthotics and you don't even know it because you haven't told them. And the reason I know that is I had a lady that came into my clinic one day and said, I need a pair of ProArch foot supports. I have really sore feet. And as I'm talking to her and treating her, I mentioned that. I said, oh, you should come back for general foot care because I noticed a few things. She went, oh, no, no, I have a podiatrist that does that. I went, oh, okay. How come you didn't see them about getting something made up for your feet? Oh, I don't think they're qualified to make those sort of things. And I knew who it was because they were in my year at uni. And I said, <laughs> you may be right, but I don't know. But I knew that they were well qualified to actually be making them. But she came to me because her current podiatrist never told her that they actually did that. So if you've got a lot of routine patients at the moment, Make sure that they're aware. Ask them a question. What do you feel like when you get out of bed in the morning? And surprisingly, they will tell you. And then that leads on to another, another whole conversation. No, that's super helpful. I think, like you said, the, the whole point of doing a lot of the, the marketing is to make you know, people in your local area and even your own patients aware of all the care you provide. Because it's all in our heads. Mm -hmm. We all know what we do. But those patients don't know what we do. So those opportunities to do that, I think, is a huge, is, is like, you know, you don't have that many opportunities with people in your clinic to let them know those things. So the more you can do it, the better it's going to be for your practice. Yeah, well, I reckon a little secret tip I'm going to share with everybody right here is I think marketing in general is very, very simple. You've just got to do it. So two simple questions that people can ask, and this is not just to do with orthotics, if you asked every patient, starting tomorrow, what do you feel like when you get out of bed in the morning? Every single patient, doesn't matter who they are, just ask them that question 
and see the conversations that spark from that. And the second question you can ask people, when somebody phones up to make an appointment and you ask them while you got on the phone, while I've got you on the phone, is there anybody else in your family that needs an appointment? You'll be surprised how many people will go, oh, well, actually, my husband's been meaning to come in as well. It might only be 5%. It might only be 10% of people that will make a, a, an appointment for somebody else in their family. But you'll never know if, unless you ask the question. So there are two simple questions you can ask patients guaranteed to increase your turnover. Excellent, Tyson. I think that's uh, a great way to leave us today. Yep. Um, thanks, thanks so much for uh, anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap up today? No, just that uh, I just... I'm loving this podcast. I love the subject of marketing and always reminding people that if you're having difficulty in this area, reach out to Jim or reach out to me and and see if we can help you in some way. So that's it from me. I'll look forward to talking to you next week, Jim. Sounds great, Tyson. Talk okay. to you then. Okay, bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.